on today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. She theorized that the humans were now functioning on 70 milligrams of copper. That's a 30% loss. So to give listeners an order of magnitude, a fever is a 4% differential. A 30% change? That's almost an eightfold order of magnitude. Doctors are not taught about minerals, and we can't criticize them for that. They don't know what they don't know. Hi, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. I'm Courtney. I'm your host. I'm so excited you guys are here. Where do I even begin about today's guest? First and foremost, his name is Morley Robbins. He's the creator and founder of the Root Cause Protocol, which I absolutely love. You know, we talk about this all the time on the podcast, that we need to be practicing root cause medicine, preventative medicine, looking at the root cause, asking the why, trying to understand what is actually happening in the body and getting to the root cause of it. Why are we suffering? And uh, he's also the creator and founder of the Magnesium Advocacy Group. He received his BA in biology from Denison University in Ohio, and he holds an MBA from George Washington University in healthcare administration. He's also trained in wellness coaching, nutritional counseling, and functional diagnostic nutrition. He's also known as the magnesium man due to his extensive research into and understanding of magnesium's role in the body. His his research saw him deciphering the intricate relationship between magnesium, iron, copper, and calcium as a way to free ourselves from illness and disease. And let me tell you guys, this episode was one of those episodes that I was so humbled by something that I remind myself quite often is that the more I learn, the more I realize how little I know and how little we all know, right? I mean, that is something that I love so much about nutrition is that every time it's an onion, right? Every time I peel back a layer, I realize there's so many more layers to be peeled back. And this was definitely one of those episodes where he really opened my eyes to many things. And it was fascinating. I, in the beginning of the episode, tell a little bit about my personal story that if you guys have listened to that podcast episode about the copper IUD that I had in and all the symptoms that I had, I share that personal story of being told that I had copper toxicity or also being called copper overload. And he debunks a lot of that. And he talks about a lot of stuff that we don't know in mainstream medicine about iron and the difference between iron in the blood versus iron in the tissue. Also the iron that they're adding to processed foods like cereals and crackers and why this is a problem. We also talk about hemochromatosis, which is actually something that I have. And if you don't know what that is, listen to the episode because we go into that in great depth. And we talk about how he really believes that we are actually copper deficient and we have too much iron. And I know it sounds crazy, but just hear him out because the man really knows his stuff. He's very well researched and has the evidence to back it up. And it was just a fascinating episode. So with that, let's just get in the episode and let him tell you himself. As always, if you guys could please take a moment to rate and review, it means so much to me. It really, really does. And it helps this show. And with your ratings and reviews, I can continue doing this show, which I love so much. And I hope that you guys enjoy it too. And if you like the episode, please, if you could take a moment to tag me and post on Instagram, it really means so much, guys. I appreciate you so much. And thank you for listening. Love you guys. Did you guys know that in your mouth alone, there's more bacteria than there is the entire human population? How wild is that? And I know it sounds kind of gross, but it's really important to know that these 38 trillion microbes living in, on, and around you are actually super critical to your health. 
This is what we call your microbiome. And this non-human half of you helps you with daily functions like digestion, support your gut brain access, and they can even help affect your complexion. If you're struggling with skin issues, maybe digestion issues, mood disorders, all of these can be connected directly to your microbiome and the balance of good and bad bacteria in your gut. Now, we have both. We have good and bad bacteria, but we always want a good, healthy balance of good bacteria. And that's where taking a good pro and prebiotic comes into play. And while we talk a lot and hear a lot about drinking kombucha, eating yogurt, eating kimchi, kefir, etc., these do contain probiotics. But unfortunately, the majority of those probiotics never make it through our stomach acid because they get burned off. So I really like Seeds Daily Symbiotic. If you struggle from any sort of skin issue, maybe like psoriasis or eczema, or maybe chronic yeast infections, a daily probiotic like Seed will really help you. And the reason why I'm super into Seeds specifically, it's a broad spectrum two-in-one plant-based prebiotic and also 24-strain probiotic. It's a proprietary formulation of 24 distinct probiotic strains in scientifically studied dosages. I actually had the founder on my podcast. If you guys want to go back and listen to that episode, it was absolutely fascinating. And all about what really makes seed stand out from the rest. You can hear all about the systemic benefits. One of them specifically is their proprietary engineered two-in-one capsule that protects the probiotics through the whole digestion process to ensure that these probiotics actually get to your gut and help populate your gut. Some of the side effects that you might see when you start taking a good probiotic like seed include gastrointestinal or GI function, skin health, so improvement in your skin, whether you're dealing with acne or maybe psoriasis or eczema. It also helps with heart health, gut immune function, gut barrier integrity, and micronutrient synthesis of vitamins B9 and B12. So you may even see an improvement in energy as well. It's also known to really help with improving digestion as well. So that could look like better, healthier poops too. And who doesn't want that, right? Finally, last but not least, their compostable packaging is one of my favorite things about this product. So when you first get your your first seed package, comes with a glass jar. It's a really beautiful green glass jar that looks beautiful on your counter, which is also something that I just, it's a little added bonus. And it also comes with a little travel case. So you hold on to that jar and every month you get a biocompostable bag that holds your new monthly supplements in there. And then you just dump the supplements in the jar. So it's also environmental friendly and we're not putting more plastic in the landfills, which is also a huge, huge issue right now. So if you guys want to start and try seed today, Go to seed.com slash realfoodology and use code realfoodology to redeem 30% off your first month of Seed's DS01 Daily Symbiotic. Again, that is seed, S-E-E-D.com slash realfoodology and use code realfoodology. I'm always seeking ways to improve my fitness, boost my metabolism, and get that perfect glowing skin. I mean, aren't we all, right? Well, I've stumbled upon something truly amazing. It's called Armra Colostrum. Colostrum has been long regarded as a superfood that my mom actually got me on years ago because it's really good for the immune system. But then I found Armra Colostrum and I am obsessed. It's not just a supplement, it's actually a whole food superfood. It's a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum. And if you're wondering what colostrum is, it's the first nutrition that we receive in life packed with over 200 essential nutrients. Since I started using it, my skin feels so vibrant and fresh. It's like I reactivated my hair growth and reduced the puffiness on my face. 
And I haven't gotten sick once since I started taking it. There are peer-reviewed studies that show that colostrum is more effective than the flu shot. Wild, right? Now here's the magic. Armor colostrum strengthens immunity, ignites metabolism, fortifies gut health, empowers fitness performance and recovery. It also helps with hair growth. I've shared this a bunch on my Instagram. Uh, I went in to see my hairdresser recently and he was pointing out all of the new hair growth that he was seeing. I definitely think it's from the colostrum because it's the only thing that I've changed. And it's sustainably sourced from grass-fed cows, which we love. I usually mix it with cold liquids. And my favorite thing right now is to mix the watermelon flavor with matcha. And then I add a little lemon electrolytes in there. It tastes like a watermelon lemonade. It's so refreshing and it's sugar-free. It's so good, especially in these hot summery days. But make sure you do not mix it with anything hot or sugary because that can affect those bioactive compounds. All right, so here's the great news for all you listeners out there. We've scored a special deal for you. Get 15% off your first order of Armra. Just go to tryarmra.com slash realfoodology and use the code realfoodology to get this offer. Again, that's tryarmra, T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash realfoodology to get on this offer. I hope you guys love it. Morley, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I actually have a personal story with the copper and zinc ratio and something that happened to me. And so I'm very excited to talk to you about that because at the time, so I'll just tell you. So at the time I got a a copper IUD a couple years ago and while I was, while I had it, I was under the care of a naturopathic doctor and we kept taking my blood because she wanted to see how it was affecting me. Because one of my concerns was that I read that you could have something called toxic overload or sorry, copper overload, which I'm excited for you to talk about. And I will tell you that I ended up taking it out after two months because my symptoms were so insane. My doctor herself said, um, this is crazy. You should be a case study for this IUD because my CRP markers went absolutely through the roof. Like to the point where she was really concerned. She was like, this is, these numbers are actually very concerning. Um, And I will note, I did find out I have hemochromatosis. So I don't know if that plays a role (laughs) in it. Exactly. So I'm curious to hear, first of all, I was listening to you on another podcast and you talked about how, you know, there is this, or, or I'll let you put it in your own words, but basically I was told that there's a copper and zinc ratio. And if the copper is out of balance, then so is the zinc and, you know, vice versa. And they work in symbiotic and symbiosis, but I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about that. Yeah, no, it's a fascinating uh, situation that you found yourself in. Um, Part of my work is to uh, debunk a lot of this mythology and you, you probably have heard enough of my <laughs> trials and tribulations but one of them is the the, the copper zinc ratio or the zinc copper ratio uh, you know this is the legend of uh, a lot of a lot of practitioners and i always like to go back and find out who started it where did it originate and this this particular one started with uh an individual named carl pfeiffer and he was a, a PhD that became an MD. You got to know the sequence. <laughs> he became yeah. a he became a psychiatrist. Well, he became a he became a principal in the MK Ultra machine. Wow. So when I learned something like that, I just like okay, then everything's that that just changes everything. And I went back to the source article where he was talking about copper becoming unbound from ceruloplasmin. That's an important thing. Again, if the if the ratio is valid, why is it valid? That's, you know, let's answer the question why. And so 
what happened was copper unbound from ceruloplasmin became unbound copper, then became copper toxic. It was just this evolution of the thought, and it's all mythology. Mm. And what does that mean? Can we back? What is the ceruloplasma? I've actually never heard of this. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Well, let's pronounce it right, first of all. Okay, please, because I have no <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, no, it's funny. No, when, I, when, I, when I did this book, when I did the audio of the book, I, the, the word ceruloplasmin is in here about a thousand times. And and after a while, you just start to slur it. And and I, and the technician would say, got to go back and do it again. I said, no, it's my book. I can say it any way I want. He says, no, you have to say it right. So ceruloplasmin is, it's the master antioxidant protein in the human body. So we know what glutathione is. It's the master antioxidant inside the cell. What's melatonin? It's the master antioxidant inside the mitochondria. Well, ceruloplasmin is the master antioxidant in our body. It's a really big, it's a big deal. And um, you, to use a frame of reference, people probably have heard of hepcidin. It's, a, it's the iron iron hormone, allegedly, uh, what's 25 amino acids? Ceruloplasmin is 1,066. Mm. So it's a, it's, a, a beast, it's a beast of a protein, but it has eight copper atoms inside it. So now, I don't want to twist the conversation, but if you've ever seen the movie with Brad Pitt called Fury, he's a tank commander, and there's five soldiers inside the tank. Well, there's eight soldiers inside ceruloplasma, and it is a very powerful entity that nobody knows about. And, and it doesn't surprise me that yeah. in all of your training and all of your work, you've never heard of it. Why? Because it does so much, and it runs on copper. And think of think of the copper as like batteries. You know, you've had you've had toys that didn't work because they didn't have batteries, right? Mm -hmm. You just stop working with them. Well, that's what happens with ceruloplasmin. And its its job, its primary job, is to keep iron and oxygen in regulation. Mm. Because iron and oxygen like to do what? Create rust. They're really good at it. You know, iron is the master pro-oxidant element on the planet. Oxygen is not our friend. It's the second most reactive element on the planet. After fluorine gas, so you have fluorine gas, oxygen, ozone. Hello. Oh, people are pumping ozone in their body, not realizing that they're copper deficient and putting, mm. putting a highly reactive element in their body may not be the best thing to do. But that's a, that's a whole other subject. But the point is that um, there are certain elements in our diet and in our environment cause ceruloplasmin to blow up. It loses its structural integrity. Those elements are things like ascorbic acid, citric acid, antibiotics, sugar. Mm. Sugar, you know, going back to Coca-Cola, sugar blows up the ceruloplasmin protein and then the copper comes out and the, the myth was to create this fear that, oh, you have unbound copper 
and it's going to create all sorts of oxidative stress. Well, I have some interesting information about that. One is a, a world-renowned biochemist at uh, Johns Hopkins Medical Center. Her name is Svetlana Lutsenko. And I think it was in 2015 or 2016, she decided to delve into this copper toxicity issue. <laughs> and she measured the amount of unbound copper in the cell, right? Because that's where the problem, that's where the problem's going to be, is inside the cell, right? Mm -hmm. Well, the term um, in biochemistry for 15 zeros is femtomolar, and for 21 zeros, it's septomolar. So that means there's 21 zeros before we get to the point one. There's no, there's no one down. It's like it's 0 0.21001 unbound copper atoms. It's like it's it's ridiculous to even think that it's possible. Bless you. Thank and you. the thing is, um, one of my clients, I'd never seen this before, but she she was doing the the routine blood test that I ask people to do. It's called the Full Monty Iron Panel. And somehow she had gotten a test for unbound copper in the serum. I, know, I didn't even know you could do that. I mean, it's just like, because that's that's what the whole theory is, is that copper toxicity is based on unbound copper. And guess what the number was that came back on her blood test? Zero. There was no unbound copper. Which and they were trying to say that she had copper toxicity, but they couldn't find it in her blood. Right. And, and so what, what people need to understand is the expression copper toxicity, again, go back, let's dial it back, dial it back. It was copper unbound from ceruloplasmin. What people need to understand is that copper, as soon as it comes out of its protein, it's going to get bound to albumin, transcuprine, or histidine. One of those three metabolites is going to grab the copper to keep it from being toxic. Now, it doesn't have the same functionality as when it's inside its uh, protein, but this, this legend of copper toxicity, it just needs to stop. And That's I think so interesting. Oh, I think sorry. what was happening in your situation is the mixture of the copper with the hemochromatose crematosis situation, I think that was ramping up your oxidative stress to a fever pitch. That would be my theory. Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask you because, um, you know, at the time my doctor, so this was probably like four years ago at this point, but at the time my doctor was like, oh, you have copper toxicity. And what was funny is in the very beginning when we started seeing the numbers rise, we were throwing more zinc at it because, you know, we were told that there's a zinc copper ratio. And the more zinc I took, it didn't have any effect on it whatsoever. The only thing that helped was me taking the copper IUD out. Did you, so you would not, do you recall what your numbers were? I wish, you know what? I wish I had pulled them up before no, this okay. call. Well, I don't remember. Well, maybe that's call two or three. We'll get into the weeds of it. Yeah, I, I think what would be fun for you is to do the full Monty panel and to see where you are. I would and love to see that. Yeah, because I think what what's important, do you do, you do uh, blood donations now? I don't, only because I've been, well, in general right now, I've been giving or not giving, I've been doing so many lab tests. Like I've been having my blood drawn like two to three times a year just to keep up on, an every, on everything. And I'm also doing something called Function Health from Dr. Mark Hyman. 
And my doctor was telling me that that's probably enough for me. Like, I don't need to be donating more blood. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll send you, you'll need to give me your coordinates, but I'll send you the link for the full Monty panel. Okay. And then we can drill in. We can either do it uh, offline or we can do it in vivo. A lot of, yeah. a lot of people oh, I'd be happy to do, yeah, another podcast about it. That'd be cool. Uh, I think I think your followers would find it fascinating. Yeah. And when it comes to the condition of hemochromatosis, you don't want to say, I think we, we've, we're doing enough blood. We need to know what your numbers are. And the side that, that most hematologists never think about is copper. Mm. And and what's really disorienting <laughs> is copper is the general. This is this is the work of the, the traditional Chinese medicine. Like what would they know? They've only been at it for 5,000 years. But in their world, like, copper is the general and iron is the foot soldier. Mm. Now, as you know, there's, you don't have to be in the military to know that that there are fewer generals than foot soldiers, yep. and that the generals have more brass, right? Mm-hmm. What's brass made out of? Copper. Copper. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so the generals tell the the iron what to do. Every facet, every facet of iron metabolism is copper dependent, and you've never heard that. Your never hematologist has never hematologist has never said, well, the fact that you have hemochromatosis means that your copper might be a little uh, dysfunctional. It never said that. Which would make sense as to why I had such an extreme right. uh, side effect to the IUD. Yeah, that's so, really interesting. Okay. So so what, what's your age? I'm 38. Okay. And, and so this was going back a few years. So you've been, how many years have you wondered about the copper IUD? I mean, since I got, when was that? So that was, a, like I said, it was probably about four years ago that I had it. I only lasted two months. My symptoms were so okay. extreme. I couldn't stand it. Um, and so around that time is when I learned about copper t- toxicity. And that's, so yeah, I'd say about four years I've known. Okay. Well, you've been, yeah. you've been there, there's been a part of your psyche that's wondered about that. Mm-hmm. I would say maybe even worried about it. What, why did I react the way I did? Of course, a lot of that was eclipsed by the insanity of 2020. And then, you know, life has never been the same. So just so you know, I, I renamed COVID, what it stands for, COV, mm-hmm. stands for Coppers Vanished. Oh. ID, ID stands for Irons Dysregulated. Amazing. And, and all of the symptoms of COVID and the jab relate to copper iron dysregulation. Oh, that's really interesting. Because do you think that a lot of our population has copper and or iron dysregulation? <laughs> Does it and I say, words? and I said, <laughs> fair. And I say, and or, because I'm wondering if you have one, do you have the other? Or maybe right. you just have one. Is that true? Okay. Do you, do you walk to work or carry your lunch? Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, they, they are mirror images of each other. And Technically, when you really get into the weeds of the research, there is no copper metabolism and there is no iron metabolism. There's copper iron metabolism. Mm. Are, and is that okay? Because joined, they work in they're joined. They're like, they like work the, in sync. This is ceruloplasmin, and here's copper and here's iron. They're joined at the elbow. Okay. And so does that mean that there actually isn't a ratio for copper and zinc, or does zinc play a role in any of this? 
just to wrap uh, up that part of the conversation. In my world, zinc is a distraction. Mm. Here, here's what here's what you don't know about. Oh, I shouldn't say you don't. Here's what you might not know about zinc. Zinc blocks copper uptake. That's a fact. Now mm-hmm. let's let's draw a distinction between zinc that you would have in your diet, pumpkin seeds or meats or things of that nature. Uh, that's a different kind of zinc than what you get in a bottle. Mm-hmm. The bottle, I think, has been weaponized. That's just me being provocative. But I'd be, I, I would never, I, many, many years ago, I used to take zinc. I would never touch it now. Just wow. don't, don't even go there. And so zinc blocks copper uptake. George Brewer is a very famous physician at uh, University of Michigan. Um, he studied for 15 years. I think it was from 1978 to 1993. He studied the use of zinc to prevent Wilson's disease, which is a copper overload condition. Mm-hmm. That's that's a really powerful, wow. So it, so it really, zinc stops copper. When you learn more about what copper does, you're going to go, oh my gosh, we shouldn't be doing that. So, so that's one function. Second is the ceruloplasmin protein has 20 copper binding sites on its exon. Well, that's kind of like, what are you talking about, dude? Come on. That means that it has up to 20 functions. 20 copper binding sites means it probably can do 20 different things. Well, one of the most important is to turn plus two iron, ferrous iron, which is highly reactive, into plus three iron, ferric iron, which can be combined. Uh, it can be put into ferritin, or it can be put onto transferrin to recycle the iron. And that's a really good thing. It's a very important thing. And, and it's really, really important because every second of every day, we've got to recycle two and a half million red blood cells. So we've been talking now for about 20 minutes times 60, times two and a half million. So in in the course of 24 hours, we have to recycle 2 trillion red blood cells. And transferrin needs to be shuttling that iron to our bone marrow to make that happen. So that's a really important function. And guess what zinc does? It blocks blocks the ferrooxidase enzyme function. That's a big problem. Wow. Yeah, that is a big problem. Number three. There's a, uh, in this in this book, is this really enlarged mitochondria. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're not really that big. But, uh, um, but there's a complex four, complex four, and that's where all the action is. And that's where oxygen gets turned into two molecules of water. And when that happens, it releases the energy precursor proteins called ADP, three of them, and they go over to complex five. The complex five is a little mini rotor. It's a, it's a nano rotor. It's only spinning 500 revolutions per second. It's like, we can't, we can't, you could probably do one revolution per second. Mm. Two, if you're really good, maybe you could get two in a second. 500? Yeah, that's wild. so, So what does zinc do? It blocks complex four. So in my world, zinc is an assassin of copper. It blocks its uptake. It blocks its most important enzyme functions, both ferrooxidase and cytochrome C oxidase. And like, 
and again, we live in this world now where everything's upside down and backwards. Oh, so, yeah. I've been talking about this a lot recently. Yeah. It's like the truth is being attacked and then everything that's false right. and right. So the fact, um, that you're talking is... to me, the fact that you're talking to me says you want the truth because that's yeah. what I'm, 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 I'll say whatever I can to make sure people understand the truth, whether people believe it or not, that's their call. But I'll, I'll tell you, I what I share is not an opinion. It's a compendium, compendium of the research. Because that's really what I'm trying to do is make sure people know what's out there. And by the grace of God, I've been able to read a lot of articles, about 10,000. And for for whatever reason, knock on wood, I remember this stuff. That's awesome. Because you were meant to be a vessel of information for it. I guess. And it's, and I'm honored to have conversations like this because it's, it's a chance to uh, share this information with a new audience, with a new set of ears that are like waiting to hear something that they didn't know. So I, I really appreciate the opportunity. I've really struggled with chronic anxiety most of my life. I've been really honest about this on the podcast as well as my Instagram. Outside of talk therapy and really addressing the root cause of my anxieties and getting to the root of my traumas, one of the things that has really helped me the most with my anxiety is taking CBD consistently. I am obsessed with this brand, Cured Nutrition. Everything is organic. They use really high quality ingredients. And I know the founder personally. I love his mission. His desire and commitment to really high quality products is above and beyond any other CBD company that I have seen. Their commitment to quality is so high that they test all their products. So you can actually go to any of the products that you buy, look at the batch number, go on their website and see the lab results from that specific batch number. They test for heavy metal toxicity. They test for pesticides. Also, they show that the amount of CBD that they claim is in their product is actually in there, which shockingly enough is a huge problem with CBD companies. Many of these companies are claiming that they have higher amounts of CBD than they actually do. Some companies that are really sketchy are claiming that they have CBD when they don't have any at all. So quality control is really, really important. It's super important to cure nutrition, which is why I love this brand so much. Also, if you guys go to curednutrition.com slash realfoodology, you're going to save 20%. Make sure that you use the code realfoodology. And again, that is cured, C-U-R-E-D, nutrition.com slash realfoodology. Well, there's nothing more comforting than a warming cup of hot chocolate before bed. I know coming from me, that may sound a little counterintuitive because you're probably thinking, how is hot chocolate healthy for you? But I've got a little hack for you and it's called Organifi's Gold Chocolate. First and foremost, the most important thing here, it has one gram of total sugar in it. So you get the satisfaction of having a comforting, cozy little sweet treat after dinner without all the loaded sugar. And it's like with this one, you get a twofer, a two for one because you also have the added bonus of things like turmeric, lemon balm, turkey tail. There's also magnesium and there's reishi in there. So whenever I drink this at night before bed, it gets me really sleepy and ready to wind down. And it really improved my sleep. There's also a blend in there that helps with digestion. There's acacia, cinnamon, ginger, black pepper, and turmeric. So if you have this after dinner, it's also going to help with your digestion and it's going to get you ready for bed. 
My favorite thing about Organifi products, outside of them being all organic, they're also glyphosate residue free. If you have listened to this podcast long enough or paid attention to my Instagram, you know that glyphosate is a huge, huge concern for all of us in this country. Glyphosate is a known carcinogen that is being sprayed. It's an herbicide that's being sprayed on all of our crops that are not organic. And it's also being leaked into organic products as well, organic foods. So this glyphosate residue free stamp is so incredibly important. And it's one of my favorite things about Organifi outside of their actual products, which I love. If you want to try this hot cocoa from Organifi or any of their other products that I mentioned today, make sure that you go to Organifi.com slash Real Foodology and you are going to save 20% on your order. Again, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash Real Foodology. Well, I appreciate you coming on. You know, I actually had a bunch of people DM me telling me to get you on the podcast. And then I also listened to you on my friend Bethany's podcast, Little Sipper. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I have to get this guy on because I love what you were talking about. And you and I are very similar that we are seekers of the truth. And it feels like it is harder than ever, not only to get the truth, but also to get people to understand that there's a lot of corporate capture happening right now, and especially in the health world. Because, you know, there's 11 companies that own the entirety of our food system. Big Pharma has a lot of money and they have a lot of influence as well. And what people don't understand is they influence the literature in the medical schools. And so how are we, how are we supposed to get the truth when the truth is being skewed by the people that have everything to lose or gain from the information. It's, these are, these are um, challenging times. These are um, very oppressive times. Your your comment about the food system and the pharmaceutical system and the farming system. Yeah. Farming is bad too right now. People don't realize that based on the research that I've done, all of those three industries, and I would argue they probably have interlocking boards, this shared uh, ownership and, and leadership, but who's in the sights of those three companies, of those three industries? It's copper. Mm. When, you, when you learn about the mineral chelating focus of glyphosate, when you learn about the mineral chelating focus of high fructose corn syrup, when you learn about the copper chelating ability of antibiotics, the fourth generation antibiotics, it's an oh my gosh moment. Can and you explain to people what that means? I've talked a lot about glyphosate. So what does it mean when you're saying it's a mineral chelating, that glyphosate <laughs> is mineral chelating for people listening? Well, it was, it was a risk developed in the late 70s, excuse me, late 50s. Um, they, were, they were looking for an industrial cleaner. The pipes, pipes get um, built up with waste and they were trying to clean out the pipes and they came up with this substance and they've noticed, someone noticed that the runoff was killing the vegetation outside. And they went, oh wow, maybe we have an herbicide. This is, this is, you can't make this stuff up. And so. And so let's spray it all over our food and then eat it, even though it's killing all the plants. It's right. just. Now, and what's the important thinking is, on that is crazy. I know it, it is insane, but here's what's important to understand that um, mineral chelating ability of glyphosate is measured on a logarithmic scale, like an earthquake. So an earthquake of three is very different than an earthquake of six, right? You're you're out in California. You don't you don't mind the threes. 
you, you get freaked out by the sixes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, and so um, glyphosate chelates magnesium at a three. It chelates zinc at a nine. It chelates copper at a 12. Now, what does that mean? That means that glyphosate is able to chelate copper a billion times faster than it chelates magnesium. And it chelates copper a thousand times faster than it chelates zinc. Again, we're back to numbers that we can't really relate to, Courtney. A Does thousand... that mean that it's it's blocking the copper? or Because I forgot what chelate grabbing. means. It's chelate. grabbing it. Chelate is it's a Greek word meaning claw. And and it can it's a double entendre. Sometimes it can be a good thing, but more often than not, it's grabbing it and taking it out of solution so you can't work with it. Okay, so it's removing it. And and what's really concerning for people listening that maybe haven't connected the dots of this, um, what's concerning about that is that we already know that our soil is depleting at a really crazy rate right now. And so if glyphosate is chelating all these compounds, it's a perfect explanation as to why our food does not have as many vitamins and minerals as it once did, because glyphosate is literally quite, it's literally taking the nutrients out of the soil and where do the plants get the nutrients from the soil? That's exactly right. So it takes it takes the minerals out of the soil, which takes it out of the plant, which takes it out of the animal, which takes it out of the human. <clears throat> People don't realize that the, there's residue, there's glyphosate residue on their food, and it's bulldozer going through their system. Mm. And, and it's killing um, off all the good bacteria in our bodies. It acts like an antibiotic. Right. It's disrupting it's good, our guts. It's really right. frightening. It, well, it is. And yeah. it's good that your listeners are aware of it, but the, but it's orders of magnitude. So that another uh, that I mentioned was uh, high fructose corn syrup. I would guess that most of your followers know to avoid that, but it's everywhere. So, so, so fructose becomes sorbitol when we digest it. The first thing the liver does is turn fructose into sorbitol. Well, what does sorbitol do? It chelates 98% of the copper. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's and crazy. What, and what's the copper? What's the most copper-rich part of the body? One, one of them is the liver. liver? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it's it's just, I, I didn't know any of this stuff. But over the years, it's like, it, it just keeps building up. It's like, there's a wow factor to it. And then you, you, you find out that the antibiotics, well, they're, they're killing the bacteria, right? Antibiotic means anti-life, killing the life, killing the... What guess guess what another name for these guys is? It's called purple bacteria. Mm, mitochondria. Yeah. So so oh Ugh. oh wait, they couldn't possibly be killing her. Are you kidding? Of course they are. Well, and that's the problem with antibiotics. And you know, I I like to remind my listeners this often. The problem that we have, or well, I would love to hear your opinion, but this is what I always tell people is, look, thank God we have antibiotics if you have a bacterial infection that could literally take your life. Thank God we have them, right? But we are over-prescribing them to a point where you go into the doctor's office and they're like, oh, you have a tickle in your throat? No, oh, let's just throw some antibiotics at it. When half the time, or more than half the time, it could be a virus. So the antibiotics are not even going to get the virus. And then what you did is completely disrupt your entire bacterial microbiome, which is good and bad bacteria, and you kill everything. Guess what Mother Nature's original antimicrobe was? Garlic? Before garlic. Oh, copper. 
Of course. I've actually heard this. Yeah. And so I forgot about that. So copper is right up there. I think it's the most important mineral on the planet because it regulates everything below it. Wow. Okay. So then I'm curious. So let's, let's go back to what I said at the very beginning. So if someone like myself has hemochromatosis, um, and we know that I have a very tricky relationship with copper, what do I do if maybe I'm, I'm deficient in copper, but it seems like maybe my body doesn't metabolize copper as well? Well, there's a difference between metallic copper and bioavailable copper. Mm. And I think your body was reacting to metallic copper. Got it. Okay. And, and I would bet, um, again, it, it would be interesting to, to know which of the defects you had um, because it's going to have bearing on how the body's responding to the buildup of iron in, in your body. You're, that's you're interesting. Build up, you build up iron very quickly in your tissue. Because I have what, hemochromatosis? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I know for me, I have a lesser variant of it. It's not on both sides okay. of the gene. It's just on one. I forgot what okay. that's called. Is it heterozygous? It would be heterozygous. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Homozygous would be very different. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So my doctor was like, you know, it's better to have this one than the other one, all things considering. But yeah, well, and what was interesting is we, she had not initially tested me for that. And this I found out years and years ago, but we found out because every time I'd go in to get blood drawn, she'd be like, your iron is so high. And then I'd come in a couple of months later and she'd be like, it's so low. And like, it was just going back and forth. And that's basically what happens with hemochromatosis is your body. How do I explain this? It's basically your body doesn't um, fully know how to, like what to do with the iron almost. Is that what it is? That's yeah. very well said. It doesn't know how to regulate it. Yeah. Because, because the general's missing. The general's mm. MIA. And so um, what's really, what, there's two reasons why women out, outlive men. Did you know that? Only two reasons? I've been hearing this lately. <laughs> okay. Well, reason number one, women are smarter. That's a biological fact. There's more uh, electromagnetic magnetic activity in your brain than my brain. I think so that it also goes hand in hand with our intuition. I really believe yeah, that. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. And women have a monthly blood loss. Mm, and you're dumping, iron, you're dumping iron every month for 40 years. It's really important. And the guy who figured this out, his name was Jerry Sullivan. He was an MD, PhD uh, at University of Florida. And he was a pathologist. And he had this eureka moment when he realized, oh my gosh, the, re- the reason why women get heart attacks after they go into menopause is because the iron is building up in their body. And it blew the doors off of cardiology when he introduced that idea. Because no one had ever thought, Oh yeah, that's right. They are, they are, they have that monthly bleed, but it's lowering their iron footprint every month. And depending upon when you get your blood test will dictate where your iron level is going to be on the blood test. It's really, really, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Really? And when so, you do a blood work, you always do it on day 15 of your cycle. Always. Okay. That's, that's really smart. And that's um, good for women to hear, you know, and then I'm curious too, what you have to say about anemia. Cause I know anemia is pretty <laughs> common in women. Really? <laughs> and, I've heard that. Yeah. How much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> we still, we have about 25 minutes or so left 30 minutes, depending on how much time you have. I'm well, I, I could talk for about four days on this. You're talking to a guy who absolutely refuses to believe that anemia exists on this planet. 
And that's a very bold thing for me to say. Uh, again, we got we got to understand something. Iron is the number one element on planet Earth. 36% of the Earth's composition is iron. <laughs> that's a big deal, right? That's wild, yeah. <laughs> and prior to COVID, I would have argued that humans were the most evolved species on the planet. Now, I'm not so sure. But let's just stay with that idea. If you, to believe in anemia, to believe in anemia means that the most evolved species on the planet has lost the ability to naturally regulate the number one element on the planet. And that doesn't make sense. Absolutely does not make sense. That's really, that's a fascinating point. Yeah. So there's, what we have to do is, and we, we can slice and dice this for, for <laughs> three or four conversations, but, but anemia is different than iron deficiency. Anemia is different than iron deficiency. And they're slicing and dicing it. And then there's a whole whole other variant called anemia of chronic inflammation. So according to the World Health Organization, most authors will cite their study in 2012. There's some that are now beginning to cite 2018. But, but, but the belief is that iron deficiency is the number one nutrient deficiency on planet Earth. Really? Okay. And it's, they were always talking about people in poor areas of the country or women who are pregnant. Do you want to know, again, I, I go back to the origin. I, I like to know, how did these ideas start? Do you know where the origin of iron deficiency anemia started? It was, <laughs> it was during the First World War. And what's important for the listeners to understand is that at any given time, 1% of society is pregnant. All the rest, not pregnant. You know, half the people are, are guys. We, we can't get pregnant. But the point is, 1% of society is pregnant. So they decided to study pregnant women to evaluate iron deficiency. And truth be known, there's a natural process during the pregnancy where it's called hemodilution, where the hemoglobin level will start at a normal level and drop precipitously during the course of nine months. This has been studied extensively. That research is now being stored with the Ark of the Covenant in the Indiana Jones movie. But, but the research does exist. And the most recent study was done by um, Philip Steer, who's a famous OBGYN in, in the UK. He studied 150,000 live births. I would have been impressed if he'd done 150. Yeah. 1,000 live births. He wanted to know what's the hemoglobin level for the mother who's attached to the healthiest babies based on APGAR score. Good thing to know, right? What, what's the hemoglobin level? You know, if we've got all these really healthy babies, what's the, what's the hemoglobin level that's attached to the healthiest babies? And his research, meticulous research, was it's between 8.5 and 9.5. Most of your listeners want to be somewhere around 12.5 to 13.5. That, that's considered a really healthy hemoglobin for a woman. But when you're pregnant, starting in the second half of the pregnancy, hemoglobin drops... Guess where, guess where it's going? It's going to the baby. To the baby. 
going to the baby. And why does Mother Nature want to do that? Because Mother Nature knows that one of the conserved functions of the mom is to make breast milk. And guess what slows down breast milk? It's called iron. There is no iron in breast milk. Do you think maybe Mother Nature knows a thing or two? And so what have they done? They've turned infant formula into a toxic waste dump with iron and vitamin D, when in fact Mother Nature doesn't want either one of them in the breast milk. Why? Because Mother Nature knows that iron will attract pathogens and vitamin D will prevent retinol from getting into the baby's immune system. And the other part that people don't know about during the pregnancy is that in the last trimester of the pregnancy, there's an enormous download of copper between the mother's liver and the fetus's liver. So you and I are adults. Our liver has about seven milligrams of copper. So get, to give the, the listeners a visual, a, a nutrient capsule has a thousand milligrams. Seven milligrams is a little tiny bit. And we have we have about 100 milligrams of copper in our body, but seven goes into our liver. And when you and I were born, assuming we were born to healthy moms, mine's questionable. I'm not sure about yours, but- I think my, mine was pretty healthy. Okay. So we're born with livers that have 70 milligrams of copper. It's an enormous bolus of copper. It's, it's, it's a lot of copper. And what- the reason for it, and this is true for all mammals, not just not just humans, but all mammals have this enormous download of copper. Why? Because the the backbone of the immune system is copper and retinol to protect the baby for the first two years of life. So back to the storyline. So anemia, they they determined that these pregnant women were anemic because their hemoglobin was low in the second half of the pregnancy. And what did they do? They decided to inoculate the 99% who weren't pregnant. You need iron. And when did they start adding iron filings to the food system? 1941, UK, US, and Canada. And then in 1969, they increased it 50% here in the States. It's like, wow, we're not talking about organic iron, Courtney. We're talking about literally iron filings. I've been in therapy off and on since I was eight years old. And this is why I'm super excited to bring better help on the podcast as a sponsor. Therapy changed my life. Many of you who have listened to my podcast for a while know that I went through a really traumatic event when I was eight years old. I lost my sister to a very tragic accident. And therapy has helped me so immensely throughout the years that I want to tell everyone, that I think therapy is so incredibly important for all of us. Life is hard. Life is really hard. And regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world, who's going through a hard time, or maybe you've been through something traumatic like me, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. Throughout the years, it's helped me to really see my role that I play in my own suffering. And it's helped me to get out of my own way. It's helped me to see different things in a different light. And of course, it's helped me to process and deal with the trauma that I went through as a kid. 
But again, I really just want to reiterate that you don't even have to have any trauma in your past to have therapy help you. I honestly think everyone could benefit from being in therapy. I think it's an amazing thing that we have access to. And this is why I really love BetterHelp. Their mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to the options in your area. So it's a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote. And by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. And I want to tell you guys, as someone who has gone through many therapists since I was eight years old, not many, but I've gone through enough to know that Finding a therapist can be kind of like, you know, finding a friendship that jives with you. So if you don't jive immediately with your first therapist, definitely make sure that you give some other therapists a chance because it really is about finding someone that you feel safe and comfortable with. It is so simple to get signed up. All you need to do is go to betterhelp.com slash realfoodology. That's betterhelp as an H-E-L-P dot com slash real foodology clicking that link helps support this channel and it also gives you 10 percent off your first month of better help so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you i hope this helps you i'm so glad that you brought this up because i was actually going to ask you about this i have seen several videos circulating on instagram and tiktok and hopefully some of my listeners have seen these videos too and know what i'm talking about where people will pour a bowl of cereal. It's usually, I think, like um, cornflakes or something like that. And they'll put a magnet over it. And you can literally see the magnet pull out all of those iron shavings. Why is that a concern? <laughs> I mean, like, it it seems visually like it's a concern, but let's give people, like, tangible, oh, like... Iron Iron is the master pro-oxidant element on planet Earth. It creates rust. It's a... It's one of the most reactive elements on the planet. And we've been conditioned for at least 100 years, because this research that I'm talking about goes back to the First World War. So it's like 1917, 18, 19. They're doing this fancy research. Here, 100 years later, the meme that runs medicine is you're anemic and you're copper toxic. And the truth is just the opposite. Your, your iron is stuck in your tissue because you're copper deficient. There is the the copper is lost in the environment now. Between between glyphosate, high fructose corn syrup, and antibiotics, it's a miracle that people have copper. One of the great copper researchers, Maria Linder, she was in your neck of the woods. Um, famous famous copper researcher. She just passed away uh, October of twenty two. Oh, she theorized she theorized that the humans were now functioning on 70 milligrams of copper. That's a 30% loss. That's so to give listeners an order of magnitude, a fever is a 4% differential. So 98.6 go up to 102. That's a fever. That's a 4% change. A 30% change? That's almost an eightfold order of magnitude. And and again, doctors are not taught about minerals. Their degree stands for mineral denialist. And they don't they don't know. And we can't criticize them for that. They don't know what they don't know. Exactly. Well, and they've also been taught that if they question anything at all in the literature that they were taught in medical school, that they're a quack. Absolutely. And that that they cannot question it. No, it, it's a fraternity. Yeah. And, it's very and that's very frightening. 
Yeah, and and most doctors, you, you may or may not know this, but most doctors are firstborns. What what's the significance of that? They're there high to achievers. The high achievers, but they protect the status quo. They don't question authority. Firstborns don't request, they don't do not question authority. Most you know what's funny? I was gonna say I'm a firstborn and I question a lot of yeah. authority. <laughs> well, it's on your I've been that way my whole life. I don't even know where it came from. It was innate. Yeah. So back back to the thing about anemia. Um, because it's it's a really sensitive subject and people are really protective of it. But what people don't realize is that if copper, if the general is deficient, iron is going to get stuck in the tissue. Again, we're back to this recycling program, two trillion red blood cells a day. Nobody knows about that. That's that's an enormous activity that our body is engaging in 24-7. You know, and if and if it if it's not working, if the copper's not there, have you ever seen the Lucille Ball, uh, Lucy and the Chocolate Factory? Oh, I love that episode. Yeah. Well, that's that's our recycling system. And the and the cells are just grabbing the iron, stuffing it wherever they can, and it's not showing up on the blood work because the, the conveyor belt is empty. So it looks empty. Because people, they're only checking the iron stores in the serum, in the blood, not exactly. in the tissue. There is no there is no tissue marker for yeah. And so then suddenly the whole paradigm changes. You go, wait a minute. So, so, so this is important. There's a famous researcher. He's still living. He's probably in his 90s now. Um, Bruce Ames. He was at Berkeley, and he and, and his colleague uh, Dr. Kilolea did a study of fibroblasts. Those are, you know, early cells, and what they discovered is that iron in the tissue that doesn't show up on the blood work. Iron in the tissue can be 10 times higher than iron in the blood, a tenfold difference. So that someone could present with low iron in the blood, but they could be toxic in the tissue and it doesn't show. Wow. What are some of the symptoms that someone might have a higher level of iron in their tissues? And is there anything we can do in order to detoxify that? Well, here that's a great question. Go to Google and look up anemia. All of those symptoms of anemia is actually low copper and iron stuck in the tissue. All of those symptoms, the energy, the pale skin, the lethargy. I mean, every one of those symptoms. And and the reason why the, the book has the title Cure Your Fatigue is that there's 32,000 symptoms outlined in the Merck Manual. How many of them do you think start with energy deficiency? Probably a lot of them. 32,000, all wow. of them. Wow, wow. And so when the, when the mitochondria can't make energy, the iron doesn't get recycled properly in the mitochondria. And guess what the mitochondria are? It's the terminal destination for oxygen and iron. And if we're not making it, see, when you're making energy, we're... We're turning oxygen into water. That's a good thing. And we're recycling iron from being heme to turning it back into heme, but also turning it into iron sulfur clusters. That's a good thing, but it takes energy to do that. And if we're not making energy because we don't have enough bioavailable copper in our mitochondria, then the gears start to slow down and then they come to a stop. And then the symptoms start. 
And that's that's the origin of disease. Wow. So, okay. So let's say, you know, someone listening, or I'm even curious for myself. So let's just say for me, if that's something I'm dealing with, how would I make sure that I'm not getting as much iron? So I don't take an iron supplement and maybe I need to be a little bit more on the processed foods that I don't eat a lot of processed foods, but anything that comes in a package, generally they add iron back into. And so does someone need to be more discerning about what foods they consume that have iron in them? And then should we be supplementing copper? Should we be eating more pumpkin seeds or pumpkin seeds have zinc? Was it, do they have copper? A, A little bit. Okay. So I misspoke on that. Sorry. That's okay. No, organ meats. Yes. Copper, nuts and seeds have copper. So pumpkin seeds do have copper. But again, we're back to the crisis of glyphosate. Mm. If the the soil doesn't have copper, the seed doesn't have copper. If the soil doesn't have copper, the grass doesn't have copper. If the grass doesn't have copper, the animal eating the grass isn't going to get copper in their organs. People don't realize the second and third order implications. So the the thing is, um, what's laid out in the book is what's called the root cause protocol. And the the whole focus, the the paradigm of the RCP is to increase energy. That's the sole purpose of of the protocol. And in order to do that, you got to have more copper. It's got to be more bioavailable copper. And what makes copper bioavailable is retinol. Where's retinol found? In the animal kingdom. It's not found in the plant kingdom. And that drives people crazy. I just discovered, though, that yeast does have retinol. So we're looking at, is there there a a non-animal source of retinol that we might be able to use? But the key is there are critical enzymes in our body. Enzymes are the ones that do all the work. But these enzymes load copper into other enzymes and they rely on retinol to activate their function. So retinol is really, really important. Well, for years and years, I used to sit in in, uh, Starbucks early in the morning doing my research and would listen to this litany of orders. Well, give me a skinny latte, skinny latte. Everyone wants a skinny latte. What? Why? Because they're on a low-fat diet. And if you're low-fat, you're low to no retinol. If you don't have retinol, you can't make your copper work the way it's supposed to work. Wow. We are still feeling the effects of the low-fat movement, and it is wild to me. Totally. Absolutely. It was, in my opinion, I believe the low-fat movement was one of the most detrimental things that we've ever done to human health. I would agree with you. And That is crazy. Ansel Keys. Yeah. That and that Harvard study that in the the 70s, I believe it was, um, Mm -hmm. they paid off these Harvard scientists to say that it was fat that was leading to heart disease and not sugar, which was actually sugar that was leading to it. It's just, oh my God, it's infuriating because it really affected so many people's health and still is to this day. Yes. And, And it gets into a lot of different nooks and crannies. And so the low-fat movement, uh, so they were trying to get rid of cholesterol, right? Well, when they got rid of cholesterol, they got rid of retinol. People didn't know they were connected. And so now we're, now we're dealing with a second crisis, which is called vitamin D, right? And so here's a riddle for you. How did the nation with the highest cholesterol become the nation with the lowest vitamin D? 
and it has nothing to do with sunshine. That's a great question. How? Well, what the listener needs to understand is you make vitamin D from cholesterol. So here we have the, the substrate, the originating substrate is really, really high. And then we have this secondary metabolite. It's really, really low. So cholesterol rises in a body that has copper iron dysregulation. Mm. So if copper is low and iron's high, cholesterol is going to go through the roof because cholesterol is an oxygen sink. It takes 11 molecules of oxygen to make one molecule of cholesterol. So cholesterol is here. I'll hold this oxygen in storage while you go find some copper to eat. And so the cholesterol will rise as a result of that. But then when we get to vitamin D, you want to you want to lower your cholesterol and flip it into into vitamin D, go outside in the sun. You can do it anytime you want in California. And in, in, in three nanoseconds, just by opening your eyes, you're changing the conversion of cholesterol to vitamin D. You don't, you don't have to be stark naked on the equator for six hours. That's, <laughs> that's all hocus pocus. Yeah. And so the thing is, what, what people don't know is that in order to make storage vitamin D, 25-hydroxy, you got to take the precursor, 7-hydroxy <laughs> cholesterol. you gotta have, you got to have magnesium in your liver to make the enzyme work to flip the cholesterol into storage D. And guess what is one of the most deficiencies we see right now in America? Magnesium. Right. And the reason is, if copper is low in the diet, which it is, iron will rise in the liver. We've known this since 1928, March at the University of Wisconsin, May at the University of Kentucky. Dr. Hart, Dr. McCarg proved that in 2021. They proved it genetically. And so if you're low copper in diet, high iron in liver, if the iron is high in the liver, it causes magnesium loss because high iron in the liver creates oxidative stress, which burns up magnesium. I call it the magnesium burn rate. So the magnesium is low, and that causes the enzyme function to be low so that the storage D looks low. I mean, it's just, it. people, people don't ask the question, why? That's the question that's missing. Why is my vitamin D low? Why is my blood low in the, why is my iron look low in the blood? Is there more to the story, doctor? Could it be possible that maybe my iron is stuck? Could it be, doctor, that maybe my liver is loaded with iron and I can't flip the vitamin D? I mean, that's the part people aren't, I think what needs to happen is we need to ask better questions and we need to demand better answers. Yeah. And, you know, you made such a great point right there. And I think it's because since we don't practice preventative and root cause medicine in this country, we are trained to just go to our doctor and essentially just have them hand us medication and be on our way. We are not trained to to think that way. I had to, I had to teach myself how to do this. I remember um, when I was in college and I started reading about all this, I had to reframe it and teach myself to think, okay, so my doctor's saying that my numbers look like this, but like, why do they look like this? What is the underlying root cause? And then we know too that 
everything works in sync with the body. So if one thing's off, something else is going to be thrown off. And we need to really have that understanding when we go to our doctor and start asking, okay, but why is this happening? And can you help me get to the root cause? Exactly. And the, the, the challenge they face, as you acknowledged early on in the conversation, they don't have the, the training. They have a very scripted education. They're really smart people. Of and, course. And they want to help. I really genuinely think they want to help. Absolutely want to help. And all the people I went to school with who got to, into medical school, they all got A's in calculus, which is, that's not easy to do. And, and so now they've been reduced to elementary school teachers using a ruler to measure iron, which is one of the most sophisticated metabolic activities in the body. The recycling of iron, turning over 2 trillion red blood cells every 24 hours, and knowing what to do with all that, that's a it's a very sophisticated part of our uh, physiology. And they're and they're using a ruler. Yeah. No, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Well, I want to be mindful of both of our time. Um, I have two more questions I want to ask you. One being, I know I kind of already asked you this, but I'm I'm trying to understand for me, and I'm sure my listeners are wondering this as well. Is there a specific copper supplement that you recommend, or are there just foods that you recommend? Like, should we be eating organ meats and taking organ supplements? Yeah, that's great. Okay. No, that's a great question. I routinely recommend three sources above and beyond your diet. I mean, ideally find a, a regenerative farmer who's totally committed to grass and and feeding the soil and that's like trying to find hen's teeth, but but they're out <laughs> hey, there. They exist and they're popping yeah. up more and more. And up, but yeah, absolutely. totally agree. But but they're not easy to find. But find someone who has grass-fed uh, animal products that have organ meats. That's that would be your best source. Um, but above and beyond the diet, and the diet is somewhat challenging, as we've acknowledged. I tell people to get copper hydrazole. It's made by NIC. It's a great product, and you can take one or two tablespoons a day. The second product that I regularly recommend people take is called, it's from a company called Reverse Skin Aging. They're out in, in Seattle, and they have it's called 3% VIP Luxury Copper Cream, and it's based on the GHK copper peptide, and, and it looks blue. Sky blue, it's a beautiful blue inside the inside the canister, and you can use it transdermally. Women love it, especially for their face. Great, great product for again, take the word skin out of their name, reverse aging. Interesting. Right? Yeah. That's what, that's what copper does. And then um during the last three years, as I began to understand what was really going on, I decided to make my own product. It's called recoup. It's called recuperate, and that's my unending wit, recuperate, and so, uh, and it that has um, grass-fed beef liver, it has spirulina, has dash of turmeric, and it has copper bisglycinate, which is a very bioavailable form of copper, and it's doing some amazing things for people, and so I, I encourage people to do all three. That's that's how copper deficient I think we are as a as a populace. It's very wow. serious. Wow. Okay. Well, I mean, Morley, this has been fascinating. You you shared so much information that I've never heard before, and I'm so humbled every time I talk to people like you because 
I remember that while I think I know a lot, there's so much that we don't know. Right. And so it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm so grateful that you took the time to come on the podcast today. And I wanted to ask you a personal question that I ask all my guests at the sure, end. Absolutely. I'm curious to know what your personal health non-negotiables are. And I would assume your number one is probably taking copper every day. Yeah, that, that would be really, really important. I know, I know a lot of things that I didn't know years and years ago. Um, I guess the way I would answer that question is I try very hard not to put synthetic things inside my body. And, and that, that was a, at a fever pitch a couple of years ago, as you know. Um, so I would avoid things like that uh, wherever possible. I try to be careful about the diet. Uh, I don't smoke. I don't drink again, just the, the, and again, I, what people, some people may know, but maybe your listeners don't know is I grew up in a very sickly family. I mean, my mom was an alcoholic. My dad was manic depressive with schizophrenia. I mean, it's just, it's like, woo, you know, very intense environment. Mm, and I'm sorry. I, no, no, it, 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 it's what allowed me to kind of, I, I, I um, grew up in that soup and it made me curious as a, as an older person. But um, I think it's really important that people need to realize that the challenges that they face physically were led to be more Newtonian about it. Oh, you don't have XYZ nutrient. You need this supplement. You need that mineral. And what I'm really, really coming to learn now some 15 years later uh, is that um, most of our problems are emotional. So wherever possible, try to minimize the uh, the toxic emotions in your in your world. It, it's the origin of all the unrest. And so people like Louise Hay are, are brilliant in what they uncovered many, many years ago. But it's it's easily overlooked, especially in a very switched on society. Mm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Joe Dispenza is another amazing one. If you guys want to check Absolutely. him out, his meditations. It really is about becoming aware of your own role in your own suffering, honestly, and taking Absolutely. accountability for maybe traumas that have happened to you and, you know, having an understanding that while um, it's unfortunate that, you know, something traumatic happened to you and it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility to remedy it and to take care of it. And, and your response to it is your responsibility and yours only. And I think we've forgotten that a lot, especially in the last couple of years and especially on social media, you know, people expect everyone else to manage their own personal emotions. And we're the only ones that, that can really manage that. And, and we live in a very charged time. Society is, and again, I would argue that we are, we have more iron in our body than our grandparents and great-grandparents. And that's a fact. It's a, it's a biological fact because of the food system, because of the, the, uh, the misunderstandings in medicine. Oh, you need more iron. And so all that iron creates a more anxious society. That's well established in the literature. And so most people don't know that. They don't know where road rage is coming from. Well, I have a theory. I think I do know where it's coming from. And again, it's just, we, we, we live in this very um, challenging world now. And, and it's by virtue of conversations like this that people get a dose of sanity, find out, oh, there's more to the story. Well, let me, let me pick at that thread that, that got started in that conversation. And they can begin to piece it together and make more sense out of their world. Yeah, oh, that was so insightful. Well, Morley, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. And um, if there's anything else that you wanted to share with listeners before we go, just wanted to give you that 
moment well, too. What I would suggest, given your situation and your focus, we didn't really do justice to the anemia question. I mean, I could I can talk for two hours on that alone. I'll but have I, you back on if you want. I'll email you afterwards and rebook you if we want to do a whole episode on anemia. That'd be awesome. And I think what would be fun, Courtney, is to have you do the blood work and we can walk the, the, the listeners through uh, the interpretation of it. Because I think you will find it genuinely fascinating uh, in light of other blood work that you might have had done. So I think that'd be good. In terms of what else would I want people to know, there's a website, rcp123.org. There's a Facebook page, the MAG Facebook page. There's the RCP group. Uh, there's training for those who are interested in, wow, I never knew that. We actually have a 16-week training uh, that is offered twice a year. And there's an RCP community. So there's a lot of different uh, paths that people can go down to learn more about the general. And um, maybe there, there needs to be a greater awareness and I would argue that there does. And so I appreciate the chance to have this uh, exchange because it's, it's gonna help more people. Yeah, thank you so much again. And where can people personally find you if you wanna be found? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, and I do this regularly. Uh, my email address is my first and last name, Morley Robbins, it's right there on the Zoom, morleyrobbins at gmail.com. And my phone number is area code 847-922-8061. It always makes the podcast host nervous when I give out my phone number. They're like, oh, you gave out your phone number, dude. I was just thinking the same thing, no, but I love I do, that. I do it all the time because the people that need to get a hold of me, they'll get hold of me. Most people won't dare call because they, they, they just know it's got to be important. So I just, I, I give it out liberally because I know the right people are going to use it. So oh, I really I'm appreciate happy. that. And do you have an Instagram or no? I, I, the RCP does. I don't personally, I've, I've debated whether to get into Instagram and um, it's like, a, it's like learning a whole nother language. And I get it. It's a beast. I <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, at this point, I feel like save yourself. <laughs> yeah, It's so, an amazing place and it's an amazing place for resources and stuff. But yeah, it's, if you haven't gotten into it by now, and you're doing an amazing job already, then I don't think you need to. There's a lot of information on Instagram about the RCP. So people can just, just Google, not Google, whatever it is, you know, search RCP on Instagram. And I think you'll find a lot of really cool information there. Amazing. Well, again, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Really enjoyed the uh, exchange. A lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked the episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resonant media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Mike Fry. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie. Georgie is spelled with a J. For more amazing podcasts produced by my team, go to resonantmediagroup.com. I love you guys so much. See you next week. The content of this show is for educational and informational purposes only. It is not a substitute for individual medical and mental health advice and doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. I am a nutritionist, but I am not your nutritionist. As always, talk to your doctor or your health team first. Looking to build a more robust foundation in your health and well-being? From the producer of the Real Foodology podcast comes one of the most popular alternative health shows on Apple Podcasts, The Dr. Tina Show. Dr. Tina Moore is a naturopathic physician and chiropractor, traditionally and alternatively trained in science and medicine. The show features exclusive interviews with experts such as Sean Stevenson, Mike Mutzel, 
Mark Groves, and even solo episodes covering metabolic health, pharmaceuticals, chronic diseases, long-hauler syndrome, and pain management. Dr. Tina delivers the information in a no-nonsense, real-world style, and she has the science to back it up. The Dr. Tina Show is edgy, entertaining, and informative. Every episode will leave you with a new pearl of health wisdom to expand your knowledge base. When you're empowered, you can do better for yourself, your family, and your community. Resilience is the name of the game, and Dr. Tina is here to guide you on your way. Listen to The Dr. Tina Show today on your favorite podcast app. New episodes every Wednesday. Produced by Drake Peterson and Resident Media.